and marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, is not made up by man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we need you, we need your grace. And I pray for, for myself and anyone in the world that you would give us a picture of grace this morning, which makes every single person hungry to feed you, to feed on your grace, not just once in a while, but every day, every morning. Jesus. By your grace, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. <clears throat> okay, so I am going to take the first portion of this message, and I'm going to give really an introduction to the text. I'm going to move away from the text and I'm come back to it in about 20 minutes. For the purpose of, so that when we arrive back in our text there in verse 6 of Galatians chapter 1, we can have a full understanding of what I'm talking about. You know it's pretty common for me to wake up in the morning and I'm just disturbed because of a dream that I was My mind and my soul are sort of all a mess, greatly disturbed. I was in a dream right before waking up. Just in a dream, you have crazy nonsense. You're chasing after something, or something's chasing after you, or something terrible is happening, or the worst, which I do have. I'm doing something terrible. And I wake up, and ugh. 
But I tell you what I do every morning now. I get out of bed and I get on my knees. And I remember. Clean out my mind and my soul. In fact, it already has. Blood of Jesus. I tell you, I will betray this faith that I have for the whole John chapter 1 verse 7 says this. It says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 says of Jesus that he loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19 says this. He says, you know, and this is, by the way, speaking to you right now. You know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Fifteen hundred years before that verse was written, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. They had been for we don't know exactly what the time period was. They were in Egypt for 400, 450 years. We don't know how long that was in slavery, but they were in slavery. And the slavery was so bad, they cried out to God, and it says that the Lord heard their cries. They deserved their slavery. They were worshiping foreign gods. They had rebelled against God. But they cried out to the God of their fathers, to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God sent a deliverer, Moses, and Moses uh, went to Pharaoh, and he said, uh, Thus says the Lord, let my people go. And, and, Mo and Pharaoh said to him, Who is the Lord that I should obey him? Every time I read that, I think I'm only Oh, who is the Lord that I should obey? And Pharaoh wouldn't do it, but God sent ten plagues to force his hand. The last one was the plague of the 
death of the firstborn children. And so on the, the night before God actually brought them out of Egypt, the night before the Egyptians said, okay, go, get out of here. Pharaoh said, go, get out of here. The Lord came to the Israelites and he said, tonight there's going to be a great judgment in the land of Egypt. And the angel of death is going to go throughout all the land and kill all the firstborn, with one exception. If there is a house, and over the house, there's blood, the blood of a lamb, the blood of a lamb that you will slaughter, that, that each, each home will slaughter. Um, if, if the doorpost, if over the doorpost, and uh, right on the sides of the doorpost, uh, that, uh, that blood is placed, the angel of death will pass over. And so that night, there was a great judgment on the land of Egypt. There was great mourning and weeping in all the land, the death of all the Egyptian firstborn, but the angel of death went to a, a, each home that were the home of a Hebrew, the home of a Jew, an Israelite. And when the, the angel of death, or the angel of judgment, saw that blood of the lamb over the door, the angel passed over. The angel did not ask, "Are there any rapists in this house? Are there any liars in this house? Has anyone committed sexual immorality in this house?" The angel did not ask that. What record of, of honoring your father and mother does this house have? Um, is there uh, people who are backstabbing each other in this home? Are they um, are they criticizing Pharaoh? Are they uh, are are they uh, committing uh, crimes against each other? Nothing like that was asked. It was only the only. It's because they saw the blood of Jesus. The angel of death passed over. Jesus Christ. 1,500 years later, in the book of 1 Corinthians, is called our Passover. He was the fulfillment of that feast. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, again, go 1,500 years into the future, Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Instead of a lamb slaughtered in a small little house in, in, in Egypt, and the blood, uh, the, the blood, uh, actually the, the, the throat was slit, the blood poured out, the, the blood was put over the, the doorpost. Um, it was Jesus Christ who was slaughtered for us. He is our Passover. Meaning that when you trust in what the blood of Jesus on the cross did for you, it cleansed you, it washed you, it redeemed you from all your sin. You can say the angel of death, the judgment, the judgment passes over you. Otherwise, the Bible says the wrath of God, the judgment of God hangs over you. And there will be a certain judgment upon your death if you never trust and what the blood of Jesus did for you. The New Testament uses this term. It says, because of the blood of Jesus, you were justified. I actually prefer, prefer perfected. 
You need to understand after that that you're perfected in terms of how God looks at you. He looks at the blood of his son. A justification uh, uh, takes place. So, the gospel. And remember, we just finished a two-year study in the book of Mark. It began with what? Jesus saying, repent and believe the gospel. The gospel means good news. In the last chapter of Mark, Jesus said what? Go into every creature and preach the gospel, he said. The good news. Well, what's the good news that we're supposed to tell every creature about? What's the gospel? It's The gospel is this. The good news is this. Believe in what? The blood of Jesus did for you, and you will be saved from the judgment of God and brought into an everlasting, joy-filled, peace-filled, presence-filled relationship with God. That's the gospel. In other words, Jesus' blood plus nothing. We talked about that already, right? In our study of Galatians. Jesus' blood plus nothing. Trust in, trusting in Jesus' blood plus nothing. So when a person comes to God for salvation, we read a Christian is someone who is called into the grace of Christ. That's what it says in verse 6 of Galatians 1. And, and a, per, a, a person responds that they believe in what uh, Jesus' blood uh, did for you. When that happens, when you, when you come to God for salvation, you believe what Jesus' blood did, did, um, did for you. Jesus' blood plus nothing. Not Jesus' blood plus you have to go to church. Not Jesus' blood plus you have to say your prayers. Not Jesus' blood, plus you give money to the church or to the poor. Not Jesus' blood, plus each day you have to try your best to be a good person. Not Jesus' blood, plus, plus you don't go to bad movies, you, you don't get drunk, you don't commit sexual immorality, you don't lie, you don't steal, you don't... Uh, cheat, you don't curse, you don't gossip, you don't get angry, you don't get violent, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't. None of that. Jesus, blood plus nothing. When the angel of death, 1,500 years prior to Jesus, went through Egypt and he saw the blood over the doorpost, he looked for nothing else but blood of the Lamb. It didn't matter what people had come inside. Same thing with the blood of Jesus. The Bible says that in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it was appointed unto you, and you, and you, and you, and all of you, to die one time, and then comes the judgment of God. But at the judgment of God, when God sees that blood uh, which you trusted in, the judgment passes over you. It's already passed. You've already gone from death to life because of the blood of Jesus. On the cross. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Never let anyone tell you it's anything different. Okay, now. Again, 1,500 years later. Enter the Apostle Paul. Whose letter we're reading 
this morning. He was commissioned by Jesus himself in the temple, in fact. He, he was commissioned, meaning he was ordered, you could say, ordained in the temple in Jerusalem, to leave the Jewish country and go to Gentile country, meaning uh, to leave the, the, the places where Jews had influence over the land to places where they had very little or none in Gentile uh, uh, country. Paul, I don't want you to focus on the Jewish people. I want you to go to non-Jews. Jesus personally commissions him to go to foreign lands, away from the places around Jerusalem, where there's the influence of, uh, of the Old Testament, which is about what? Uh, two-thirds or more of the Bible. Uh, and, and so he, he, he tells them to go, uh, him to go to other places. One of the first places he went to was this part, which, which you know, we now know is in modern-day Turkey, it's Galatia, where the book of Galatians. And so Galatia is right here. Jerusalem's down here. So Paul takes off, he actually goes by way of Antioch, and, and goes um, to this area here. This is one Antioch, this is a different Antioch. This is Galatia. They have a little toy here, right here, Galatia. This is where he goes. And in these cities, they would have been 99% Gentiles, non-Jews, away from the influence of this. And you know what that means. That means in these cities, there was just an overwhelming influence. They were overtaken with, and I'll show you a list that comes from the book of Colossians, Colossae, which is one of these churches in Galatia. So to one of those churches in Galatia, he describes what the, the cities were overtaken with. Fornication, which is sexual morality, uncleanness, also referring to sexual uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, meaning wanting everything but God, which is idolatry, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth, and then lying. That's what these place these places were overtaken by. Now, if so if you went into a city down near Jerusalem, um, listen, there was, there was sin there too. But it was not in your face. In the cities in Galatia, uh, in Galatia they were all this in your face. Now the problem with living in a community where this is in your face, and it's just something that you see all the time, is that anyone living in this kind of life for any length of time without God, remember 99 or 9% of them, they don't know God, but you're living um, in it for any length of time, much less for years and years and years, over time, there's going to be layer after layer after layer of guilt, of shame, of humiliation, 
a weight, a burden, a feeling of ugliness and filth and defilement in the soul. And worst of all, a feeling that they're in big time terrible uh, um, trouble with God, with a God, with the gods. This is what happens to the human soul. Now the human response to that, the human response to, uh, after a while, just being laid down with guilt and ugly and your soul just feels filthy and you're in trouble with God, the two human responses. Uh, number one, and someone just try to ignore the sense of guilt and stick your head in the, uh, the sand and just go deeper into it all. Or you can try to become religious. Which in the case of the churches um, in the Gentile world, and in Galatia, you go from pagan temple to pagan temple to pagan temple and do whatever they require and pay whatever they um, are, are, are charging to try to take away um, your guilt. Of course, that never stopped. And the religious system is just corrupt. You've got to come back for more next week. If you're going to keep away the, uh, the, the guilt and this type of stuff, then they, 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 that's the second human response, is diving into religion. Enter the Apostle Paul. Enter into that. He enters into it. It does say that when he entered into this, these cities, he was not used to them. It says his soul would be just provoked. Like, what is this? But he enters in... And he gives them a message. He gives them a message. He says, you know, you, you guys can go from temple to temple to temple to temple and do, 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 and do. It'll never take away your sin or that feeling of dread you have in your soul. But I have some good news for you. There is a God. <laughs> and he's the only God. And he is God made the heavens and the earth and he created you for but your sin makes that impossible. Your sin makes that impossible. Your self-love makes it impossible. In fact, because of your sin, you you face you do face a certain expectation of death. And, and, and God's eternal judgment. But I have good news. Um, there is a God, and that God, the only God, He sent His Son, and the Son of God, Jesus Christ, was crucified, and He bled, and He died in Jerusalem for the purpose of paying for all your sin. Your fornication, your uncleanness, your passion, your evil desire, your covetousness, your anger, your wrath, Malice, blasphemy, filthy language, lying, all of it. His blood and His alone cleanses you of it. Trusting in it. Purging it. You can, now you can, you can reject what I'm saying and reject the Son of God. Or you can trust in what He did. And you can trust in what that blood did. And you are saved from God's judgment and the guilt and shame and humiliation. And you are brought into a relationship of peace with joy in him. Now, you can only imagine what this did for the Gentiles. These non-Jews, 
who had heaped up, literally heaped up, mountains of filth into their soul, uh, into their soul, uh, and, and so much that their soul was just saturated with the filth. And, that, 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 and, and I can never get any of this away. Oh, oh, I can? I can? There's a God. He bled for me. He died for me. And that blood can purge me, rid me of all this stuff, this ugliness. Just the joy that their soul could be washed clean. And as a result, they could stand blameless and love before them. The liberty, the freedom. And you didn't have to go back to the temple and get a piece of that blood next week, or the week after that, or the week after that. Just once for all time. That trusting in the blood of Jesus did not did what they could not have done in a thousand lifetimes. So what Paul did when he arrived in the Galatian churches with all these people and all their sin, he man, he taught grace. It was all about grace, man. Grace and grace and grace and grace, and he just he just dumped it on them. And, 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 and he just had a ministry of, of, of grace. Trust in the blood of the Son of God and nothing else. Trust in the blood of God and, and nothing else. Trust in the blood of God and nothing else. To give you one example of this, in the next chapter, in Galatians chapter 2, this is one verse. One verse. And somehow, three times in this one verse, he's going to tell them, it's not about anything you could ever do, but it's simply by trusting or believing in Jesus. Three times. He says in Galatians 2.16, a person is not perfected or justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. He says it once. Then he continues. He says it again. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be perfected by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Number two. Number three. It says it again. Because by the works of the law, no one will be perfected or justified before God. And so um, I just put it like this. Uh, one, two, three. He tells them three times. Not perfected by the works, but by faith. Not perfected by works, but by faith. Not perfected by works, but by faith. He was all about, he's with these people in Galatia. Their souls have just been polluted, saturated with guilt, shame, and, and just a weighted burden of, of, of sin. And it's all gone. By putting their trust in Jesus Christ. And what, what followed? Well, we know that an abundance of freedom and joy and peace and celebration followed this ministry. Go back to our text. What happened next was 
he departed that region and he went to another. He was a church planter. So he, he, he departed, he taught there, we don't know for how long, but he taught there, and then he would return there, by the way, after departing to strengthen them. He, he established churches, um, but people um, who, and he put people in places of leadership in the churches, and again, he, he left them in a place of freedom and joy and celebration. Another Gentile city, it's put like this, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. It says, you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus, and by the Spirit of our God. Somehow the Holy Spirit is able to apply that blood to you and you trust but the same way those Jews were able to put the blood of the Lamb, by the way, it was a foreshadowing of the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Somehow the Holy Spirit applies that. Says, you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the Spirit of our God. So this is where God wants every single one. In a place of joy and celebration. When you can get up and waking up to a dream. In which you were just doing something wicked. People ask, is that sin? Probably not, but it's certainly something about the sin in us that actually comes up. And you can just get on your knees and remember, you've been washed. You have been sanctified, which means made holy. And you have been justified, which means perfected in the eyes of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So here was the problem after the people, after Paul departed. The problem was this. And let me introduce the problem by telling you this. Your soul has an enemy. Your soul has an enemy. And let me tell you, anytime you're having joy and freedom and peace because of the grace of God, what that does, it glorifies Jesus Christ. It brings glory to the God of heaven. And there is an enemy that your soul has who hates that glory. And he is called, in Revelation, is it chapter 12, verse 10, the accuser of you. The Bible says that we live in a spiritual world. There are unclean spirits. Demonic spirits. The devil, the accuser of the brethren, who has an ability to make impressions into your mind. And to steal your joy. And to tell you, no, the blood of Jesus is not enough. You need to do this and this and this and this. 
It says the accuser of the brethren who accuses uh, who accuses them, accuses you before God day and night right now. God has in front of him the devil, Satan, and he is accusing you right now of something you're you, you did an hour ago, or even what you're thinking right now. He is the accuser of the brethren. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. So we, you have, we have a spiritual realm who wants to rob us of the joy. But just as bad and arguably worse, there are people. There are people in this city and all over the world who want to teach that you need to add something. Trust in Jesus Christ and take the sacraments. Trust in Jesus Christ, but you better be in church every Sunday. Trust in Jesus Christ, or um, <coughs> trust in Jesus Christ, plus you better stay away from that blunt, that whiskey bottle, that sexual immorality. They want to tell you that somehow that they say, yeah, trusting in Jesus Christ was was good, but now you you've got to be good enough. By the way, grace is a very dangerous thing because you can't use grace as a license for sin if you're a fool. But there are many, and there's many in this city uh, 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 who do that. And so what happened um, in, here in, uh, in the churches in Galatia, people just came right in, right after Paul left, and they said, that's not good enough. You need not only to trust in Jesus' blood. See, these people believed that Jesus died for their sins, the sins of the world, and that Jesus was resurrected, but they say in addition to that. Gentiles, non-Jews. You have to follow the Jewish law. So men, you need to go into that back room and be circumcised. And then um, of all you men and you families, three times a year, you've got to travel and spend the money to go to Jerusalem um, to go to certain feasts. And you need to eat certain foods. And you need to do this and that. And suddenly what happens? All the joy was gone. And so, we pick up in verse 6. Paul says, I marvel. See, the people bit. The, the, the devil sort of using people, uh, uh, gave them the hook and they bit it. And he says, I marvel that you're turning away so soon. So I'm going to go quickly um, through our verses at this point. I marvel, I'm astonished, I'm amazed, I'm shocked that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel which is not another, meaning it's not another gospel. It's a lot of phony, baloney, religious, baloney, uh, baloney, baloney, baloney. That's what he's saying. And there it is in verse 7. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert, which means twist, the gospel of Christ. There are some who want to add to the blood of Jesus. And then he says, as we've talked about a lot already, but even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you, let him be a curse, verse 9, as we have said before. So now again, if anyone preaches any other gospel, let him be a curse. Verse 10 says, 
Now, do I persuade men or God? Or, or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. Man didn't make this up. And then this is verse 12. This is important too. This is actually critical to understanding the rest of the chapter. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. And what he's saying here, he is addressing, so what people came in, people came in after Paul, and they began to attack Paul's message of trusting in the blood and the blood alone. And part of, one of the ways that people attack a message is to do what? Attack the messenger. And what they said about Paul, again, this is important to understanding the rest of this chapter, is that, oh, he's just one of the hundreds of people who were sent out by one of the 12 apostles. That's all he is. He's not an apostle himself. He's one of the hundreds who, one of the 12, whether Peter or James or, or John, I think by this time James actually had been executed, but, uh, or, or one of the uh, uh, apostles sent him out along with hundreds. And so from now to the rest of the chapter, he says, no, that's not the case. I heard this from Jesus Christ himself. So Paul was a very unusual character in the New Testament. The 12 apostles, they saw Jesus in the flesh. They touched his, his flesh. They were with him. Paul, on the other hand, was... Uh, he. he Jesus Christ actually came into his presence in a glorified body, meaning, you know, the Mount of Transfiguration where before Jesus was crucified, they saw the Peter, James, and John see him on the mountain with Elijah and Moses, and he's in his heavenly state. Well, Jesus repeatedly appeared to Paul and gave him the good news, the gospel, which you are all hearing this morning. So, for example, if you go to Acts chapter 22, go back to Acts chapter 22. That's to your left. Take your Bibles and go to Acts chapter 22. You'll see three times in Acts 22 and then at the beginning of 23 where Paul, the glorified Jesus Christ, appears to this man. In verse... Seven, Paul says, I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, that was his name before it was changed to Paul, why are you persecuting me? And so I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And so later on in the chapter, in verse 18, years later, a number of years later, Paul speaks of a, um, when he was in the temple of Jerusalem, and Jesus appeared to him. In verse 18, and it says, And I saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. Verse 21, And then Jesus said to me, Depart, and I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. So he sees Jesus again. Look at uh, chapter 23. 
23, go to verse 11. It says in verse 11, but the following night, the Lord stood by him, Paul, and said, be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. So here you, just in those couple of pages, you see Paul three times. Jesus appeared to him directly. So what happened was these people came into these churches in Galatia. There was a celebration of freedom and joy. And they're like, hey, you're not supposed to be so happy. You are not circumcised, men. And you're, you're not eating kosher. You're eating and you're dressing the wrong way. Man, you want to end a love feast, a love party, a, 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 a celebration of happiness because of the grace of God? Just bring a Pharisee, a legalistic Christian into your life. They'll be throwing wet blankets all over you. This is what they do. And, and, and so uh, later on we say, stand fast. Don't let anyone do that to you. Calvary Chapel. No one. Not even me. Don't let me do it. Don't let anyone do it. Taking away from that, that, that relationship that you have with God that is it, it's, it's a trusting in Jesus alone for a relationship. And so he tells them again in verse uh, uh, 12, listen, I didn't get from, I'm not one of these hundreds of people take, um, sent out from the apostle and who, who just fell into his own twist of, the, uh, of what the truth was. I heard from Jesus myself. Verse 13, for you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. How I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the tradition of my fathers. Verse 15, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, it could also be interpreted into his grace, it can also be interpreted by his grace, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were the apostles before me. But I went, it means by myself, <clears throat> to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. And so the point is, I'm not some, some guy who just went out and uh, commissioned by the apostles. One of the hundreds, I was commissioned, I heard, I received directly from Jesus Christ. In fact, he goes into this place of, of called Arabia. We think it's probably the same place that Moses went in Mount Sinai, where he was face to face again, just like Moses 1,500 years earlier. And, and, and he received directly from the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he introduces our communion Lord's Supper, where we have communion. And he says, I received directly from the Lord. And now I give it to you that on the night that Jesus um, was betrayed, he took bread, he took wine. He heard that directly from Jesus, Paul did. And what he, so what he's telling him is, listen, I heard this directly from Jesus, this this. this message, this gospel that brought you so much joy and peace, which they're now trying to destroy by attacking me, I received it directly from Jesus. Let's finish up these verses and then we'll call the worship team up. He said in verse 18, after three years, 
I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter. So three years after his salvation, at least, is when he met the first apostle. And so his point is, I'm an apostle, and I was directly commissioned by Jesus Christ. Peter was an apostle. Verse 19, but I saw none other than none of the any of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning these things which I write to you indeed before God, I do not lie. Afterward I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea which are in Christ, meaning where all the Jews were down in Judea. They didn't even know who I was, although they knew me by name, I had never met them. Verse 23, but they were hearing only. And these, these are two wonderful verses that end the chapter here. That he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God in me. And so what he is doing here, he is ferociously trying to defend the precious simplicity of the gospel. And that's what I'm doing here too, trying to do, jumping, screaming, yelling. Please, do not let anyone, anyone, any preacher, any evangelist, any person who comes up to you on the street, they'll do it. Steal from you the freedom and the joy which you have by faith in Christ Jesus. I'm going to call the worship team up at this time and we will conclude. I just want to go back to the same same picture, the same reality that I started with. I want every one of you in this room to be able to get up. Maybe you don't have awful, awful dreams like I do from time to time. But I want every single one of you to get up here. If you if you don't have that same freedom to just get on your knees and remember, I have this picture in my mind like eye drops, except the blood of Jesus drops. And all I needed was one, applied by the Spirit of God, to cleanse me from all my sins. If you don't, You've never trusted in what the blood of Jesus did, or you did, then man, you struggle understanding the grace of God. That when you go into the bank and it's 459 and the bank teller says, No, sorry, we're closed, and you scream at them, which you promised to a thousand times never to do again, you can go right home, get on your knees, and remember. That sin was paid for, purged by the <coughs> 
you want prayer among us, if you could ask to pray as a prayer team, please come up at this time. If everyone else could rise, let's worship. It's kind of been a weighty message, but I tell you, it is a message that is so important. It is, um, me and a few of the guys in the church shows are reading this book. The purpose for which God created the world. The purpose is glorify God. And he's glorified. And you're filled with joy. And regardless of what you're doing, you're filled with joy. That joy can only come if you understand.